Welcome to the Bend ICOC podcast, where we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. Don't forget to leave us a review and a rating, and thank you very much for listening. For those of you who don't know, uh, we went uh, snowboarding and skiing yesterday at Mount Hoodoo, uh, and there was a, a nice little group of us who got together, uh, people from Eugene, Corvallis, Salem, I think, Salem? Oh, yeah. yeah, Salem, yeah, and of course, of course, here. Bend, Oregon, and Redmond, um, and it was a lot of fun. I had never been snowboarding before, and I was not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I was a little bit terrified that I was gonna die. It was like I'm gonna do something foolish. I was I was sure that I was gonna do something foolish. <clears throat> uh, I'm pretty sure other people were like, surely you will hurt yourself, um, but I didn't. Uh, praise be to God that I didn't. I, was, uh, I listened to the advice of uh, people that went up before me. Uh, <clears throat> they're like, if you're going to land, you know, fists down, don't land on your wrists. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you know, the impact is different. Uh, there was, a, you know, switch it up, try to fall on your face, try to fall on your back, slide. So I was doing that. I was trying to be very active in the decisions I was making yesterday. Uh, and uh, ultimately, you know, I'm pretty grateful that I got that experience. I think I found a new hobby, uh, possibly a new drug, because uh, I loved it. I was hooked Immediately, the first time I went down, the, they have this like tiny little hill, and they have this like little conveyor belt that takes you up there. And as soon as I like, I was a little scared. I was like, I don't know how it's gonna happen. Uh, and I got to go down, and I was boom hooked immediately. I felt that speed. I am a little bit of a speed demon. I love going fast, and so was able to do that, and then graduate to a bigger hill, and got to go down the bigger hill. Uh, didn't go up the the pro hills, but that's the goal, right? The goal is to, to get better. And isn't that the goal for us spiritually as well? Amen. To get better. Not be perfect, not be the best, but be better. So we're going to read today in 1 Kings. But before that, um, I'd like to start off with just a, you know, a couple quick notes here. Crossroads of destiny, right? And what are crossroads but a way to make decisions? Yep. You know, a crossroads is you, you, you go left or right, you know, forwards or backwards. You know, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty simple. There's four choices you get to make, you know. There's, you can stay where you are. That's fifth choice, my bad. You can, you can make no choice at all. Rush says it, you know, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Um, you know, reading through, uh, it, it, we'll be talking about Elijah, and Ahab, and Obadiah, and these, these incredible names, you know, Jezebel will come up. And, and I, I can feel intimidated talking about the, uh, the Old Testament at times, you, because it, it almost seems like a story too far away for you to know, too far away for you to reach. You know, this was thousands and thousands of years ago. This was hundreds of years even before Christ was born, and how you can be intimidated by these people, how you can feel like, I'm not connected to these people. They're too far away. I, I mean, they, they thought a different way than I do. You know, we, we have this very Western style of thinking. They have this ancient 
They, you know, they, they talked to God. You know, they, they heard God's voice. Elijah would hear God's voice. Obadiah would hear God's voice. And how can we compare ourselves to these people? But we can't compare ourselves to these people. We can take what we have in common, though. We can take encouragement in that. You know, decisions, they're crazy. Like, as a child, you have no idea the impact of the decisions of the people rearing you up. You have no idea what's going on. The decisions they make, you know, they mold you for better or worse. You know, and they, they tr I'm, I'm pretty sure every parent tries their best. I don't, think any ch uh, any, I don't think any parent wants their child to fail. But their choices mold us. They mold our insecurities. They mold our, the, the, the decision-making process of our minds, you know, how we're going to pick, what we're going to pick. Or do we try to rebel against our parents? Do we try to honor them? These are the decisions we try to make. These, these are the decisions that, you know, they, they make or break us. You know, I think of my parents and the way, the way I was raised. I was fortunate enough to have parents that were both God-fearing disciples. You know, they met back in San Diego in the singles ministry. And uh, my dad was in the Navy. My mother had just graduated uh, from college, and uh, she was uh, in early childhood development. Uh, and she had spent a year in Mexico learning Spanish and uh, serving at an orphanage. Um, you know, those decisions that they, they completely made led them to be together. My, mom, my dad was impressed by this white girl who knew Spanish. <laughs> he was like, who are you? My dad left home to join the Navy because he was rebelling against his parents. And I feel that rebellion in my own heart at times. I feel the, the well, I'm not my dad, I'm not my mom. So how do I choose the person I become? These decisions, they, they come heavy. They're not easy. I can say they suck sometimes. It's hard. Decisions are hard. They're not easy. And sometimes we make the wrong decision. And we can live in that. We can be crippled by that. You being here, that's a decision. That's a decision you made. No one made it for you, right? I mean, hopefully not. <laughs> if you're here against your will, please... Yeah, wink. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> exactly. You know. Our decisions carry weight with them. Because they don't just affect us. They affect those around us. A parent, their decisions affect their child. A brother or sister affects their other brothers or sisters, their siblings. You know? We are affected by the decisions of those around us as well, for better or worse, directly or indirectly. We are affected by those decisions. Uh, so we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 18. You said 18? Yes, 1 Kings 18. 
And I am not in 1 Kings 18. Oh no. All right. <clears throat> the Bible says, after a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go, home, go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. Now, at the time, there was a huge drought plaguing Egypt. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now, the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab had summoned Obadiah, his palace administrator. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them into two caves, 50 in each and supplied them with food and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs and valleys. Maybe we can find some grass to keep our horses and mules alive so we will not have to kill any of our animals. So they divided the land they were to cover. Ahab going in one direction and Obadiah going in another. Obadiah was walking along. Elijah met him. Obadiah recognized him, bowed to the ground, and said, Is it really you, my lord Elisha? Yes, he replied. Go tell your master, Elijah is here. What have I done wrong? asked Obadiah. What are you, that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death? As surely as the Lord your God lives, there is not a nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. And whenever a nation has claimed that, they have not, that you were not there, he made them swear they could not find you. But now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here? I don't know where the spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave you. If I go to Ahab and tell him and, it, and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. Yet I, your servant, have worshipped the Lord since youth. Haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord? I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets into two caves, fifty in each, and supplied them with food and water. And now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here, he'll kill me. Elijah said, as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. So Obadiah went to meet Obadiah, uh, Ahab, forgive me, and told him, Ahab, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And when he met Elijah, he said to them, is that you, troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. But you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon all of the people of Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. And bring 400, the, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at, Jezre, at Jezebel's table. So Ahab, so, <clears throat> forgive me. So Ahab sent throughout uh, all of Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? The Lord is God. Follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. 
Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one the Lord's, uh, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's, uh, let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set on fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. Since there are so many of you, call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull and given to them and prepared it. Then they uh, called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But no, there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar and made uh, that they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is God. Perhaps he's in deep in thought. Or he's busy. Or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time of the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered, and no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to the people, Come here to me. They came to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes that descended of Jacob, to whom the word the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built the altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to told Tuseas of seed. And he arranged the wood to be cut uh, the, I'm sorry. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid, the, uh, laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars of water and pour it on the offering of the wood. Do it again, he said. And they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered. And they did it a third time. The water ran around the altar and even filled the trench at the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know you, Lord, our God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell down and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and licked up all the water in the trench. When the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God! The Lord, He is God! Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal! Don't let anyone get away! They seized them, and Elijah had them brought uh, down to the Kishon Valley to be, and slaughtered there. And Ahab's... Oh, that's pretty dark... Uh, and Elijah said to Ahab, go, eat and drink, for there is a sound of heavy rain. 
So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face in his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he said to his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there. Go back. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. And meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, with the wind, uh, the wind rose and heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into the, his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab and all the way to Jezreel. So a lot to unpack there. I like the end when uh, the power of the Lord comes onto Elijah and he runs like super fast, like the flash, catches up to a chariot. That's amazing. <clears throat> So we're talking about crossroads of destiny. When I was thinking about this lesson and taking apart what happened in this amazing story, and I, I believe most people have heard this story at least a few times, and if it's your first time, it's an amazing story, amazing story of faith. But it all comes down to the decisions that were made beforehand, the decisions that were made and I, I, I broke it up into three points and three kinds of decisions. The first being decisions of character. You know, has anyone heard of what char the character counts pillars in school? Does any, did anyone do that? Nobody. Wow. Okay. Uh, we did it in New Mexico. Character counts, you know, trustworthiness, respect, responsibility, fairness. Caring citizenship. These were the six pillars of character that you were, uh, uh, I wouldn't say judged upon, but uh, teachers could nominate you if you were showing of one of these pillars. And then uh, at the end of each month, you'd be honored as, uh, as one of the nominees uh, for one of these categories. And when I was in the third grade, I, I got one for caring, even though I don't feel like I was a very caring individual. Uh, I felt like I was very, uh, uh, what's the word? Cavalier. I was definitely not cavalier. I, was, I think it was more just kind of in my own world. I didn't really care. Um, but I was fortunate enough to be nominated for that and being caring. And it was like the king, caring kangaroo. It was really funny. Um, so I was like this little kangaroo t-shirt. It was really funny. Uh, but I now ask you, what, what is character? What are signs of good character? And please, I'd love to hear a few responses. What is, what is a sign of good character? Honesty. Honesty. Kindness. Kindness. Respect. Anybody else? Being, keeping commitments. Commitments. Being committed. I like it. Being like, faithful. Integrity. Integrity. Yes. All of these are great signs of character. Uh, God describes them in a different way. He calls them fruits of the Spirit, right? Think of uh, 
Those are character traits. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are other character traits. God cares about our character. I think of uh, before I was a disciple, how my character was weak. I was very indecisive. I was cowardly, very selfish. You know, I think of the things that are a bad character like those. I think of um, my sarcastic nature. I was a slave to impulse, not being able to be committed. It's very selfish, lazy. These are bad character traits. Now, I couldn't have good character without God directly intervening in my life. God has to directly intervene in all of our lives for us to have good character. Because otherwise, you'd have strong character without God, correct? You wouldn't need God. You could have done it on your own. The thing is, we can't. We fool ourselves into thinking, oh, yeah, I can do this. And I I think of uh, New Year's resolutions. It was actually on the radio yesterday. And we made a joke like, oh, yeah, the two weeks that you, um, you know, if you can make it to two weeks, you did great, right? And how sad that is. That's our, our mentality, that we can make a joke about a resolution. You know, the, the word being resolved has been dissolved. Yeah. Thrown around like, like a... It's so cheaply used. The word resolve doesn't carry the weight it used to. I am resolved. Resolute. Think of the the U.S. Constitution and the amazing words that uh, they wrote. And they wrote with such beautiful words. I love reading the preamble. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare. We do ordain this Constitution of the United States. We had to memorize that in high school, and I loved it. Because it said, words aren't cheap. They are when we cheapen them. But words have meaning, and our character should have meaning. And the words we describe our character should have meaning. To be kind, to be caring, trustworthy. We cannot cheapen ourselves or cheapen others. God holds us to a standard. Now we're going to fall short of that standard all the time, but it's about being better. Sorry. I skipped down. One of the last pillars, citizenship. What does it mean to be a good citizen? And uh, under the description, it says, 
being a good neighbor. And this is by the, the United States government. And I'm like, that's God. Being a good neighbor. Jesus brought that up. Who was, who was a good neighbor? You guys remember? Who was the good neighbor? The Samaritan. Not, not the people that were whole, you know, not the, um, oh my gosh, I'm blinking on it right now. <clears throat> it wasn't the Levite. The Levite wasn't a good neighbor, even though he was charged by God to hold a certain standard within the, the hierarchy of, of the priesthood. Not the priest. The priest didn't, wasn't a good neighbor. It was the Samaritan who was the good neighbor. He was a good citizen. He had strong character. The priest and the Levite had weak character. They let the man die. They let the man uh, to, to die on the, the, the road. They were, the, the decision, the, the moment they decided to walk along, they left him for dead. That was their choice. I'd rather him die than me intervene in his life. How weak of a character that is to let a man suffer. I wasn't going to bring it up. Um, I'm glad Joey brought it up. I think that the spirit is definitely calling. But right now we have neighbors in the Ukraine calling out for help. How are we going to intervene? I think of not just the Ukrainians, but also the Russians who are being ordered to do things. No one wants to kill. That's a horrible thing to live with. It is unfair for us to, to hold that over them because they're being ordered. Otherwise, they'll probably die. We cannot be so quick to judge. We cannot be so quick. We must be caring, kind, fair. We must have strong character. That is where our fruit comes from. Galatians 5, right? I mentioned it earlier. Obadiah and Elijah were men of great character. Faced with death. They obeyed God. Obadiah was like, no, he'll kill me. I will die if I have to bring this news before Ahab. But surely as the Lord is God, I will do so. He obeyed, even though he didn't want to. He was scared, but he didn't let his fear cripple him into indecision, into being still. He allowed it to move. And Elijah was there comforting Obadiah. He was like, I'll be there. I'm going to show up. I'm not going to let you down. He was committed. Ron said, he made through with his commitment to Obadiah. I'm going to be there. A man of his word. Ahab was not a man of strong character. 
He was a slave into pleasing the people. He's, he pleased Jezebel. Even though he knew what was right. He comes from a family. He knows, he knows what, who God was. And God directly intervened in his life by giving him Obadiah. Giving him Elijah. He obviously cared for Ahab. He was like, you can turn around. Here's your chance. He was a weak ruler, and his people suffered for it. He was a weak character, and people suffered for it. And if we have weak character, people will suffer for it. Obadiah recognized his responsibility, and he acted. He came before Ahab, fearful of death, and told him the news he didn't want to hear. He's like, Elijah's coming. (laughs) Obadiah, Ahab's like, troubler of Israel. He was like, I'm going to kill this guy. But he wanted to kill him because he had weak character. Because he was trying to please Jezebel. Who are you trying to please? Who are we trying to actively please? Trying to please God? Because if so, then we, Matthew 28, 18, go and make disciples. Now, obviously, we're not going to be, like, baptizing people every day. It's not what that means. No. We're given a few moments, a few opportunities each day to have a conversation. Are you going to have the strength of character bring it up? I think of yesterday. I'm not trying to gloat or, or toot my own horn, but, you know... I mean, I, I get scared too. I have this loud nature, so it gets me noticed by people. There was this, uh, this boyfriend and girlfriend, uh, I was about to say surfing, snowboarding. Uh, and this, uh, the girlfriend was uh, much more experienced in snowboarding. Uh, and so she uh, was teaching her boyfriend how to snowboard. And I was able to strike up a conversation with him. Uh, just a little like, hey, where are you guys from? Yada, yada, yada. You know, simple small talk. I was terrified. But I ran into him two, three more times. And I was like, okay. I get it, God. I'll talk to him. I'll do it. And so they were sitting down in the, in the, the food court after I got my food. And I was like, hey, there you are again. I was like, all right, let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. And I was was talking to them, and uh, I introduced myself. It's like, I'm Alejandro Lin. And the guy was like, oh, cool, where are you from? I'm like, well, I'm originally from El Paso. He's like, oh, I know El Paso. He brought up Chico's Tacos. And I'm like, if, I was like, this man knows El Paso if he knows Chico's Tacos. Uh, There's a a few comedians reference Chico's Tacos uh, here and there. uh, I call it the Mexican Jack in the Box. Uh, it's going to 
leave its impact on you for sure, if you know what I mean. Uh, and then, so I was like, oh, that's awesome. And then the, the girl was like, she started speaking to me in Spanish. And I was like, oh my gosh, where do you know Spanish from? And we started talking in Spanish. She's like, I did a, a, a I was part of a Christian school. We did a, a year, I did a year mission trip. And I was like, and I asked them about their faith. And they're like, we just talked about that. We'd rather not if you're going to invite us to church. And I was like, well, I am. Uh, but I understand. Church is, uh, it's hard to talk about. Because men and women of weak character have led people astray, just like Ahab did. And now there's this dark cloud over Christianity because we have allowed men and women of weak character to be the loudest. They're the voices that are heard, and then we are judged by those voices. So we need so we need to be so much louder. Because we know the truth. God is amazing. He is a man. Uh, uh, man. He is not a man. He is a God that is loving and kind and compassionate and not hateful or bitter or petty. And that is how they see God. See God as, as and Christianity as this judge you mentality. And it's not that. But we have allowed people with the loudest voices and weak character to be heard. We cannot let that be God's reputation. Second, sorry, second point. Trust me, they're going to get shorter. That was the longest one. The emotional decisions. The emotional decisions in the story. Why did they do the things they did? What shaped them? What molded them? Fear is an emotion. Obadiah feared. Elijah, I'm sure, you know, in, in chapter 19, when he's hunted by Jezebel, experiences fear. You know, God says, hey, chill out, take a nap, eat. <laughs> you know, God cared about Elijah's emotional state. And God cares about our emotional state. But we can't let our emotional state be God. Our God. Yeah. Our God is God, not our emotions. Think of Jesus in the garden. Three times he prayed that the cup be taken from him. Three times he said, I don't want to do this. But surely you are God and your will be done. It is not an easy decision. The decisions of the heart and the emotional decisions are, they seem to be the hardest. I was thinking about this uh, yesterday, uh, it's so easy to be an encouragement to others 
because we can believe in others more than we believe in ourselves. It's so easy to be like, I know you can do it. And then likewise, be at the same time, I can't do this. How many times have you said that to yourself? I don't know if I can do this. I don't think I can make it through. I don't have the strength. The good thing is we don't need to. We have God. God is our strength. God is our fortress, and he will never let you down. He has never let me down. God showed up. He showed up. He showed the rain. He was like, I'm going to back you up, Elijah. And Elijah knew he was backed up, and so he could back up Obadiah. He was like, I'll back you up, Obadiah. I'm going to be there. You don't have to fear. I'll be there. I know you're afraid. I'll be there. I'll be there. I have to. Everything's a song. God cares about your heart and your emotional state. He always shows up. He will show up. But will you let your fear cripple you? Or will you, get your, will you let your faith in God encourage you? I think it comes back to surrender. What are you surrendered to? What will you surrender to? That's such a good word, surrender. Think of the song, all to Jesus I surrender. I surrender it all. Think of those words when you, when I got baptized, they said, and who, uh, the series of questions, do you believe Jesus is the son of God? That he died for your sins and was raised on the third day? And my response was yes. And what is my good confession? That Jesus is Lord. Lord, and then we break that down, right? We, we're able to study that out and break that down. What does Jesus being Lord mean? Ultimately, he's Lord over my decision-making, my emotional state. We'll surrender that to him and not hold it for myself. Because I got myself into messes. He didn't put me in messes. If I was able to, to obtain any righteousness of my own, Jesus didn't need to die on the cross. It was I, if I was in any way capable of making the right decisions in life, I wouldn't have needed Jesus. But the thing is, we need Jesus, and therefore we must acknowledge that we can't make the right decisions without him. The heart is deceitful above all things, it says in Jeremiah 17. Who can understand it? And the Lord replies, I can. I will penetrate the heart and expand the mind and judge it. 
We can make decisions out of self-preservation and fear. No, I can't let that go. No, I'll be stretched out too thin. No, I'll be hurt again. I can't do it. And that is spitting in the face of God. Because he says, you don't have to. I'll be there for you. I can do it for you, but I need your faith. Let your emotions go. Let me be God. I think of, uh, you think those movies, the, the emotional movies that, that, that stir, you know, the greatest champions of the world. You think of like Muhammad Ali, Michael Phelps, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. You think of these names. And one thing always comes up. They're willing to endure the temporary pain for the long-standing glory. Muhammad Ali, there, this is my, one of my favorite quotes. They asked him, how many sit-ups do you do a day? You have a great, you, you just, you look so good. He's like, I don't, I, I don't know. Depends on the day. I don't start counting till it starts to hurt. Because that's when it matters. Our decisions don't matter when we're doing well. Decisions matter when we're hurting. What will you do when you're hurting? Will you retreat? Will you put up those barriers that you used to? That the world has taught you to build? That you build because of direct sin? That you've learned because of the world? Or you know, surrender that to God? Are we going to surrender to God? They're the spiritual, emotional blood, sweat, and tears. Are we able to endure the emotional pain for the rewards of heaven? My last point are the spiritual decisions. I'll try to make it as quick as I can. I feel like I'm going long here. The acts of faith. Obadiah and Elijah feared and faced Ahab because they feared and were face to face with God more. Elijah said three times, put the water on. I interpret that as three times, test God, test him. Test him. Do it. And they did. And they failed. Elijah was so faithful. He was so sure. He was so convinced that God was going to come through that he asked. He begged them. He ordered them. Test God. See what happens. 
He will surely not fail me today. And he won't fail you either. God answered Elijah's faith. What does Jesus say about the a mustard seed of faith? It's all he wants from us. Just the littlest, smallest speck amounts. It's all he wants from us. He's like just not even 0.1% faith. Something. Give me something to work with. And I will blow you away. I will rain down the fire. But I need something to work with. God, he guarded Obadiah. He guarded Elijah. He kept them safe. What have we to fear? We're not in fear for the light of for our lives, but our egos. comfortable boundaries. God allowed Obadiah to make some spiritual choices. He allowed Elijah to make some spiritual choices. He even allowed Ahab to make some spiritual changes. He's like, I'm going to let you change, man. I'm going to let you. Here's your chance. Here's your opportunity to change. Will you give me something to work with? We have a greater gift than Obadiah and Elijah. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. They never got that, but you did. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is God living in you. How do we use it? Do we shout it and boast about it? Here it is. Here is my God. Here is how he lives in me. Or do you hide it? Are you afraid? Uncomfortable? Insecure? Fearful? Fearful of what other people may say? Fearful of what other people may, may think of you. People, what they might do to you. Oh God, I turned off my computer. You can't be afraid of people. You can't be insecure about that. Elijah put to the sword almost a thousand people he was able to con convince the Israelites. He was like, God is God, not Baal, not Asherah. Prove it to God. Put to death these false prophets, these people that have led you astray, these people that have so entangled you in sin. Put to death the Asherah. And what are the Asherah poles in our life that we need to put to death? God is a pioneer and perfecter of our faith. 
I think of John 13, um, uh, 3. But as God, as you increase and I decrease, we can't hold on to our identities outside of God. Our identity must be placed in God. God has made us unique. We're going to have hobbies. We're going to have interests. But as the world has made its impact on us, we must realize that sometimes our decisions are still based on those insecurities, that sin that came in, that sin that tore you and your family apart. We still make those decisions and we must put them to death. The way Israel became faithful and put to death the Ashra. They're little things. It's always little. Little compromises. Little decisions. But our decisions have weight. So. What will you put to death? What are you going to put to death? What are you going to surrender to? Who are you surrendered to? And what will shape your character? That's all I have for you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It would mean so much to us if you were to leave us a review and a rating for our podcast so that this message can reach others. Thank you.